How's it going, everybody? My name's Davey. This is the Give Em Hell podcast. A couple housekeeping notes. I'm trying something new today uh, as far as recording is concerned. We'll see how it works in the long run. Uh, But either way, yeah, we got nothing to lose, right? Uh, So just a couple housekeeping things uh, from last week. One, I hope everybody had a good Valentine's Day. And two... Uh, I was really, really happy with how the last episode turned out and the feedback that I got. Obviously, you can tell my voice that I still get nervous from time to time talking about this stuff. But I, I, I really, really do genuinely enjoy talking about these things. Uh, one other thing. Uh, today, I have an interview with my identical twin brother. So uh, stick around after I am initially done talking Uh, You'll hear some interlude music that you usually never hear. Uh, Also, uh, this got brought to my attention. Uh, Just stick around in general, because I always put a song at the top of the episode before I start talking, and then I put a song at the end of the episode. That way you get, like, two different kind of feels uh, for, like, maybe not necessarily the band as an entirety, but, like, at least two different songs from the same album. Um, And, yeah, I, I usually think that they're... They, they they speak kind of to the caliber of the bands that I'm speaking about. Uh, also, in like music stuff, uh, today I woke up and like did my usual like, hey, I'm gonna go through the news and like check out music stuffs and things like that. And I learned that uh, members from Monster Squad had started a new band called the uh, Whole Hog, and uh, that they have an EP that comes out next month. And this goes hard in the paint, like really, really fucking hard in the paint, like in a great fucking way. If you know anything about Monster Squad, they are a great fucking band. Like they are traditional street punk, but like, yeah, I, I, I mean, like they, when you hear Monster Squad, you know Monster Squad. Like I was listening to like a street punk algorithm when I was in the shower earlier this morning and like I knew as soon as Monster Squad came on, but uh, Whole Hog just dropped like all their stuff on Bandcamp so you can listen to it before the album comes out and I highly highly recommend it. Another one that kind of fell off my radar from last week uh just because like I had a lot going on and I really wasn't paying much attention and I got so caught up with the street dog shit uh that I just really wasn't thinking um uh where else to look. Uh but the Bomb Pops from California just uh, released a new album, not new album, excuse me, a new single uh, on the 12th, uh, and it's called, uh, Double Arrows Down, and it's their second, second single off their new album called, uh, Death in Venice Beach, which is going to be out on March 13th, and if you like female-fronted, like, punk rock, this is a great band. I mean, I have listened to Fear of Missing Out, uh, several times, and based on what I've heard from Notre Dame, which was the first single, and, uh, Double Arrows Down, uh, uh, the two singles off their new album. I cannot wait for this fucking record. Like, it's really, really, it's really, really well produced. And it's really, really hooky. And, like, it is completely in line with, like, the Fat Records family. And I really hope one day that I can get the chance to just, like, gush a little bit more about that. Um, But there is a lot writing, like, a, a lot writing behind what I'm saying. Because, like, like I said... When I get done talking, I have almost a 25-minute interview. You know what? It's not even a fucking interview. It's just me 
talking to my identical twin brother about a time that he played with the lower class brats. And that is the band that we're talking about today. I told you that we were going to Austin. I told, or I told you that we were going to Texas. I told you that we were going to talk about clockwork punk. And I'm finally holding my word to what I said last week. So, uh, with that said, stick around. It's, if you want to hear what it's like to have the identical twins, just talk, to each other and just talk about music and also you know gain gain a little bit more insight like an outsider's perspective per se so i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna drag this preliminary stuff like i'm not gonna drag anything along today i'm just going to go and with that said uh today i'm doing uh the lower class brats 2006 release called the new seditionaries it was released on tko tko records and it's the band's fourth studio album and this is the first Lower Class Brats album that like totally sold me on the band. Like I had heard uh, some of their albums before and things like that. And I just, I really, really wasn't impressed. But when New Seditionaries came out, I, I was in. Like, I, I love it. And like, if you know anything about this band, if you know anything about like their trials and tribulations and like going through and like recording and, you know, just trying to find like the right person to go through and figure out like what this band is for them. Uh, this, this, this is totally them. This is, this is the lower class brats in their wheelhouse, figuring themselves out. That said, if you don't know anything about the lower class brats, uh, just a little bit of background information. The band formed in 1995 in Austin, Texas. Uh, they set out to create, uh, anything unlike they set out to create, anything something unlike sorry they set out to they set out to create something unlike anything else in their city they blended punk they blended oi and they blended 70s glam and straight ahead rock and roll was like the big the big driving point and it shows a lot especially especially in uh the new seditionaries uh but the whole band like prior to this uh, was set to the theatric imagery of A Clockwork Orange, whether you've seen whether you've seen the movie, whether you've read the book. If you know anything about Clockwork Orange, uh, that is what this band started off as, as it started off with as a frame of reference, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, altogether, the band released uh, five full-length LPs and thirteen EPs and three different comps. And if that doesn't speak to a testament of this fucking band, then I don't know what to fucking tell you. I mean, this this band could have gotten lost into obscurity at any fucking point in time. Like, it is insane to me to think like, yes, five albums. Like that sounds that does sound like a lot considering the the band started in nineteen ninety five. It might not sound like as much, but when you knock down fucking thirteen EPs, like Jesus fucking Christ, like just think about that for like two fucking seconds. Like that is still so much material, and the, a lot of it was original, like, new original material. Like, it wasn't just, like, rehashed, like, thrown out of the archives and onto, a, onto an EP. Like, it was new. It was new. And then every LP had new songs on it. Maybe one, maybe one or two songs from the EPs would make some of the uh, LPs, but, like, it's just, they just did it. They just went for it. But, you know, as somebody, as somebody that has been in a band, I do understand, like, it's kind of, it, you know what, it's easier sometimes just to do an EP, especially when it's not your full-time band, 
and do that. But I mean, fucking low class brats, like they went all in. Thirteen EPs, like god fucking damn it. Good for them. Uh the new seditionaries was released on TKO Records in in two thousand six and <laughs> we're having one of those moments again where I was doing research and I was just like, I didn't know that in the best way possible. And a lot of it had to do with my research for TKO records. And <laughs> so, I mean, without like getting too terribly deep into it, I didn't take, a, I didn't take a lot. I didn't take a lot because again, like I said, like uh, I'm trying to cushion this a little bit uh, so I can like give my brother his time to talk uh, that way I'm not like wasting everybody's day just by like talking and then you have to hear my voice and then my identical twin brother's voice uh, if you choose to listen to the entire fucking thing. Um, anyway, TKO Records was founded in 1997 in San Francisco. The label helped uh, to establish the sound and aesthetic for street punk in the United States. <laughs> Bands TKO has touched like I didn't even fucking notice like <laughs> I have I have been a band. I have been a fan of so many of these bands for so long and just never really paid attention. Like I TKO has always been in my realm. Like they have always been like visible and like I have known about them for so long, but I thought that they were just street punk. But like some of the initial like bands on the TKO roster were Dropkick Murphys, The Forgotten, Swing and Utters, The Bruisers, The Real Kids, and Cox Bar. And that's naming a fucking few. And I know I say that's naming a few when I don't want to list every fucking band on the initial roster for a fucking record label. But I mean, this literally is naming a few. If you know anything about any of those bands, then you completely understand like what this aesthetic was that they were building. All of these bands are the same kind of like line drive aesthetic like and it, i get it like for tko for what they were doing it totally makes sense and i just i can't believe that i've been a fan of dropkick Murphys as long as i have and just didn't fucking know that like they they were affiliated with tko to the extent that the founder of tko mike rainley uh also runs an imprint record label called flat records with ken casey of dropkick murphy's that have released bands like Agnostic Front, Blood for Blood, and the Ducky Boys, and Oxymoron. Like, fuck me, right? Honestly, not for nothing. That is one of my favorite things about, like, doing this and taking time, taking time and, like, sitting down, doing research. And, like, you know, it's not a ton of research. Like, this is not, this is not my job. My job is making coffee. So, like, when I do, when I take, like, my two days off and, like, I do, I, I plan this out and I map this out. Like, I start, like, digging in and I finally, I finally bought a notebook instead of tearing out old blank pages from a Bible that I found on the side of the road. I was running out of space and I was having a panic attack. So, I finally got a fucking notebook. Um... But now I can actually write all this shit down without having to worry about like space or anything like that. But like anything, this this TKO this TKO shit with fucking flat records and King Casey. Like, like I said in my unseen episode, I knew King Casey had his fingers all over a bunch of fucking records, but I had no idea that he had his own label that was affiliated with fucking TKO. And he is the reason that, like, some of these bands that I absolutely love have seen new releases. And I, 
I'm here for it. Like, I'm completely fucking here for it. And if you don't know anything about TKO, outside of what I just told you, TKO also has a record, like, a, a brick-and-mortar record store uh, that ha- had has won multiple times best record store in the country. And looking at, based off all these bands that I just said, in affiliation with Flat Records, in affiliation with any any person that has, like, the wherewithal to take these bands on... Uh, and then build a record store out of that. I totally get it. I totally fucking get it. I went to the Doctor Strange store in, oh man, what was it? I think it was Long Beach. Long no Huntington. It was in Huntington. I went to the Doctor Strange store in Huntington, and I was floored. Like, but at that time, like at that time, Doctor Strange, like yes, they were a record label, but they weren't quite like they were still like doing clothes and stuff like that. So I was like more enamored by the fact like, oh shit, I can get bondage pants here. Like that's dope. And I hadn't quite started collecting records, nor did I understand how young I was. Shit, man. I think I was like, how old was I in eighth grade? Whatever eighth grade age was, uh, that's how old I was. So still didn't know how to transport records or anything like that. But I was just, I didn't, if I had known about TKO records and known anything about how to transport records at that time on a plane back to Indianapolis, I would have fucking cleaned house because I had a paper route and I was proud. Um, so this is the first album that, uh, lower class brats did. Like I said, uh, in like just the little bit of background information that I gave you, uh, the band started out uh, under the guise of like writing songs with the theatric imagery of A Clockwork Orange, and that is a whole genre of music, and I'm not going to go too terribly deep, um, but The New Seditionaries is the first album by Lower Class Brats that is not a clockwork punk album. Like, for... For them, this is completely uncharted territory, and I think a lot of this stems from, and I talk about it with my brother later on, I think a lot of this stems from them being in Austin, Texas, and them trying to, like, let people know that, like, hey, we, we're not, like, we're not this tongue-in-cheek band. Like, we are, we're a force to be reckoned with, and it really, really shows, like, in the musicianship and, like, the band members and uh, just everything else, especially, like, the lyric content of the new seditionaries like this is not a clockwork punk album and if you're not familiar with clockwork punk it's totally lower class brats but there are so many other fucking bands most notably the addicts and when i was looking this up like when i was just like looking up like oh hey like what are other clockwork bands like that might be like that i might not be thinking of like other than the addicts and the Vodkas, like what else is there and like there is a fucking list there's a list that I was not ready to read. So I just, you know, I just, I took a few. So uh, the first, the first one that's built are lower class brats. And the addicts have been around. Oh, fuck, man. I think they've been around since like late 70s, early 80s. But lower class brats on like, as far as like billing clockwork bands, like they're still above the addicts. So if that tells you anything to the caliber of lower class brats, whether it be like their consistency, their tenacity, this, that, and 12 other things, you figure it out. But outside the addicts and lower class brats, there's also clockwork, cr- clockwork crew, Devochkas, which I already said, hat trickers, the Drew Gretz, Gimpfist, and clockwork soldiers. And all of those bands 
totally take their like content writing from Clockwork Orange. And there's a lot you can say about it. And I mean, there's a lot that I could say about Clockwork Orange as well. I love, I love the book. I love the movie. I love the movie. And I really, really love the book. But uh, my reading comprehension is so goddamn bad that when a girl that I went on a couple dates with uh, bought me a Clockwork Orange for my birthday, she made sure she got me the one with the dictionary in the back because there was no way I was reading those context clues. <laughs> Um, that said, uh, I, as always, as always, I do have the new seditionaries punk news review and you know what? I'm kind of indifferent about it. I really am. Um, I don't really give a shit what it has to say. Um, cause I know where I stand on it. Uh, but punk news gave it three stars and, uh, you know what? I'm done fucking quoting this shit like verbatim. Like I just I don't care. Like I t- I I took some high points and uh, I'm just gonna go from there. So Punk News gave it three stars, and the things that they noted were the production, the commanding the the command of timing, uh, good good composition and passion. I feel like the three star rating really just comes from lower class brands being a straightforward punk band and not breaking new ground. Like honestly, like. If you listen to this record, like for them, it's completely new, and the production is amazing. Because I mean, prior prior to this, they they had other albums, but they they were very very much in that like base basement production realm. Like they they were good, they were fine. Like it was because of some of those earlier recordings that like that got me into it, and then the new seditionaries came out, and my brother bought it. And he started playing, and I was like, this is new, and I really, really like this. And it's very, very clearly, like, not clockwork, shticky. And I loved it. And I, I listened to it so fucking much, it ended up in my car and not his car for I can't even tell you how long. I love it. <laughs> it it totally fucking holds up. And they did a really, really good job with a song called Lip Service, where there are no fucking lyrics. And they actually incorporate like a punk band a street punk band like a band that incorporates oi in 70s glam and straight ahead rock and roll and punk was able to incorporate a piano and like it's very it's that very like speakeasy style piano like and it works and you don't even ask why like the production is perfect nothing gets lost marty volume plays fucking guitar perfectly on this record i'm not a huge guitar player fan especially when it comes to punk rock but if there's anybody that i really really love and i really really respect it will always be marty volume of the lower class brats this dude just knows what the fuck he is doing and he's also taller than hell and i'm gonna get into that right fucking now uh so the first time i saw lower class brats um which I had other chances, but just missed them because of a warp tour and like, you know, wanting to see a different set or, uh, which I get into with my twin brother and, uh, our conversation after this, um, where Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the first time I saw them was in Louisville, Kentucky with the Wednesday night heroes and nowhere fast at a place called the brick house collective. And I had played there before and I knew what I was getting into. And I was, this was like, 
the first time I played there was like my very first night of tour, so I didn't really give a shit like what the place looked like. This was my band with my twin brother and our friend at the time, and I didn't give a fuck what it sounded like or, or it sounded like looked like anything in between. But then, like, fast forward to, like, 2009, the summer of 2009, and I see lower-class brats are playing there with Wednesday Night Heroes, and I was just like, I'm in. Like, I know exactly where that's at. I can get us there. We don't we don't need MapQuest. It's fine. I can get us there. We've been there before. And we get there, and there's, like, 20 fucking people there. Like, it's not even a big get. And, like, we had bought tickets on, like, brownpapertickets.com and stuff like that, and we were, like, planning ahead and, like... None of us had, like, a car that would run, so, like, our mom, like, let us take her Suzuki, which, probably not her best move, um, because we smoked a bunch of fucking weed in it, uh, but, you know, we knocked down to Louisville, we get to this show, and we're expecting to, like, wait in line for, like, you know, hours, or, you know, at least two hours, or something like that, and I mean, like, we're not old enough to drink. It's not like we're hitting a bar or we're fucking broke as shit. So it's not like we're getting fucking dinner. Like, we're here for the show. And, you know, like, we got some merch table money and stuff like that. But we walk in and, like, this guy uh, that went under the moniker, Nowhere Fast, uh, he has been a Louisville staple for years and years and years. And, like, for good reason, honestly. Like, the dude has a killer voice. He's a great singer-songwriter. The first time I saw him, he actually opened up for my band uh and it basically sounded like acoustic social distortion and then when he played with lower class brats he had a band with him and then it sounded like electric social distortion and the guy is still playing and it sounds completely different but in a really really good way it's not bad it's just different it is definitely a musician growing anybody that tries to do social distortion from 2008 to 2020 that is not social distortion should probably evolve which he has in the best way possible. This was the second or third time my brother had seen the lower class brats. This was my first fucking time. And like, he was super stoked. Like he already, he already knew what he was getting into stuff like that. I had no fucking idea. I had no fucking idea. I just knew that I really, really liked Wednesday night heroes who are a Canadian punk band and nowhere fast. I already knew about, and I was stoked to see it. I saw him and he was great. And then there was a female fronted street punk band. And I forget their name. And I really, really apologize. It's just, you can't find some old show fires for defunct bands anymore. Uh, but they, they, they were good. They basically sounded exactly like the casualties, uh, except with a female lead singer. And she had gigantic Liberty spikes and she knew exactly what she was doing with those things. But then the Wednesday Night Heroes went on and they started playing this song called Music for the People. And this was one of those times where I was just so stoked that it was an intimate show. Because they started playing this song called Music for the People. And like I like bump up to the front, start screaming, 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 right along with the lead singer. And he grabs my head, shakes my hair, and like pulls me up on stage. And I get to fucking sing and be in that moment. That was the first fucking time that had ever happened for me. I didn't know that that was a thing that could happen. Like, I, as a fan of Dropkick Murphys, I know that, like, you can get up on stage with them and stuff like that, but I mean, like, it's very, very real there. It's very tight, and security is very, very not cool. Trust me, I've tried as somebody that has tried to put their foot on a speaker, uh, even though I've done it multiple, multiple times in my life uh, at other shows. Uh, I knew what I was doing. I wasn't going to break it. But, like, I felt like this stupid cool connection. I 
gotta meet the lead singer and then at this point in time uh with the lower class brats uh and they were they were on the new seditionary cycle uh but they had gotten a new drummer he didn't make the wikipedia and i forget his fucking name I, it was like some outlaw name like some like really sticky outlaw name it was this drummer who didn't last with the band long but uh it was bone so large who was uh obviously the singer Johnny O negative and uh Marty Volume and uh it was it was the perfect lineup for me like Johnny O negative had been in so many other projects that I had loved and that dude has built like a brick shit house and has the softest voice if it tells you anything about Johnny O negative he uh gets tattoos of bands that he plays with and he has a full half sleeve and each logo is about uh, about an inch about an inch big and he has almost an entire half sleeve of bands that he has touched or played with i got to see him with the lower class brats on the new seditionary cycle and i was so fucking in like this band is so fucking good life like it is it is stage presence it is all-inclusive it is you are welcome here like it 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 is the unity of street punk without the speed. Like you get, you get the rock and roll, you get the oil, you get the gang vocals. Like you don't even have to know much about this band's lyrics, especially up front, especially with the clockwork stuff. Like once you start getting into new seditionaries, then you start realizing, like, oh, okay, well, they they are like they're they're digging into deeper things. But I mean, especially with like the clockwork things, you don't really have to dig too terribly fucking deep. But when you see them live, you, it, you just catch it. You, you catch it, you get it, and you're in. Like, it is just, we are, all, we're, we're doing this. We're all fucking doing this. And it's a lot of fucking fun. It is just fucking fun. I don't know, I don't know what else to say about it. It's a band that I've only seen once. And they were based in Austin. Now they're based in California. My brother saw them a couple years ago in Colorado. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really hoping that they do like a, a knockdown tour or like, you know, just a, or hop on a tour that comes to the Midwest. Like that would be awesome. I would, I would love to catch that feeling again, but you know what? Even if I don't like, even if I have to go out to Colorado or even if I had to go out to Colorado, if I have to go out to the West coast, that's completely fine. It doesn't bug me. Like, I'm not saying I will go out there specifically, but if I can plan something right at the right time, then I have no fucking qualms with doing that. Because lower class brats are so fucking good. And <laughs> the new seditionaries is still their latest album listed on Spotify. Like, that is how long it has been. Since 2006, they haven't released new material. But I will tell you this much. I keep coming back to the new seditionaries. And there's a fucking reason why I keep coming back to the new seditionaries, which is why I keep coming back, like, to fucking, which is why I came to talk about it today. Like, it is a good fucking record. It is really well produced. It is a really, really great entry point, especially into, like, Punk and Oi, very specifically. And if you get the opportunity to see this band, I highly, highly recommend it. I'm going to cut it short right now. That way you will hear a transition and then it will be my interview with my twin brother. Stick around and I'll do all the thank you shit that I normally do and hopefully be able to find something to hint at for next week. 
So stick around. My interview with my brother is right up. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, everybody. This is my brother, Corbin. He lives in Colorado. And today, uh, since I'm doing an episode on the new seditionaries from Lower Class Bretts, uh, he has uh, some first-hand experience playing with them. So I just wanted to take a moment, talk to him. Uh, we'll see how long it lasts. Maybe it's going to be long. Maybe it's fucking not. I don't know. It's kind of a weird time for me because I'm sitting in my car outside of a record store because uh, it's my day off and usually the days that I do research. But we're going to see how this goes. As you already heard, he's on the line. How are you, man? I'm good, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I know I know that it's early, and uh, I just I just figured out that I could like patch you in, and whether the sound quality is going to be weird or this that or twelve other things, we're gonna we're gonna figure this out together. But I'm uh, thinking about how you look in your car outside of a record store <laughs> recording a podcast. <laughs> I look, well, I have my I have my headphones in, and uh, I look really fucking disheveled <laughs> because I woke up and I had a million things to do that I wasn't able to get done yesterday. Uh, so. I'm playing my catch-up day today, but do you want to just tell anybody anything about yourself before I start asking questions? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Literally nothing. Like, not not even the band that you played with. Like, okay, how about this? How about this? So you played with the Lower Class Brats in what year? God, dude, I don't know. What was that? That was 2007? 2007 or 2008 i believe i want to say it was 2008 probably were we in high school or out of high school we were in high school still. in high school but like near in the end so i'd say like or late 2000 it was in the, wait no it was nice out so it would have been it would have been 2008 yeah yeah it was hot as shit that day yeah so we we could have either been done with high school or yeah anyway <laughs> anyway so so you played with them in what sounds like 2008 uh what band were you playing with at the time i was in a band called glory city disasters for a while uh <laughs> with a bunch of children how old how how old were you versus the rest of the band <laughs> you know that corbin this is this is not for me we're, we're talking to other people <laughs> like please please feel free to like not just give like was, one word answers. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was 18 and they were, fuck, 15, 16 at the oldest. Uh, what, what kind you of band? Laugh. You no, laugh. No, 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 no. It was, you called me. It, 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 was a, it was a perfectly fine band. Um, yeah, what it, was, it was a street punk band. Uh, it was pretty fun for, you know, it's a little bit different from what we were doing at the time. It was more my speed, you know, getting some street punk on top of some horror rock on the side, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Uh, so, like, prior to playing with Lower Class Brats, how do you feel like uh, you were able to, like, land that gig? I mean, let's be honest, man. It's Indianapolis, and, like, the herd's really thin. So if you just come across anything, especially at that time, like, it was kind of like the scene was kind of kind of like a little bit on a downward spiral it wasn't like at its peak like when you and i started playing so i mean it was really just at the time just anybody who could fit the bill even remotely like i feel like promoters were just like fuck it man huck them on the bill awesome 
Awesome. Uh, so who? Uh, well, what was the bill for that show in its entirety? Wait, was that the show with a uh, cocksmoker or Mick Smokerson? Oh yeah, I think so. I don't remember the. I don't actually remember the opening bands other than us and Career Soldiers. Was that the show where the kid stuck the microphone up his butt? No, that was in Muncie. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. Yeah, I was... just, I just, I just remember there was like one band that you very, very specifically talked about called like Mick Smokerson or something like that. Yeah, and the dude shoved the mic up his ass. For yeah. No, okay. No apparently, I mean, I swear it was like a Tuesday in the summertime. <laughs> Nobody wanted to use that fucking mic after that guy. Nobody. As as. <laughs> Well, we, that's why we always brought our own mics after that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just as a just in case, as, yeah, as for sure. sa- safekeepings. Um, where was the show? I, I, again, give me one second. Uh, I preface all of this with I I couldn't make it to the show because I was either working or something else. Like I was, I could have been in a very very horrible relationship. If we're knocking down 2008, there's a very real world chance that I oh, couldn't have gone doors from shit that you were into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a weird year. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't make it to the show, which is why I want to talk to my brother about it and have his first hand experience later on or earlier, depending on how I edit this episode down. Uh, I will be able to talk about my own personal experiences, but <laughs> I just wanted to talk to him uh, about his experience playing the show. So where well, was I mean, it? It was so that church on 16th and Delaware, where we used to have all those shows at the underground. The Harrison Center. We, I actually yeah. live right down this. I live less than 100 yards away from that music venue. Yeah, but we always had shows in the same spot there. And for whatever reason, we were like in the chapel or some shit. It looked like a chapel. And it, 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 we were like playing up on an altar. Like there's no way in hell this was like a still utilized venue or like for church at this time. Because they just let a bunch of punk rockers in there on like a Friday. Right. Like three in the afternoon. You know, and it's lower class brats, so you're bringing out a crowd that's very prone to drinking 40s and tall boys in the parking lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even though it was an all-ages show, it wasn't necessarily... Lower class brats and career soldiers aren't necessarily all-ages bands. Yeah, exactly. You were pro- Yeah, you were probably the oldest... You, you were the oldest in your band, obviously, aside from if uh, your guitar player's dad drove you guys. Um, hey, I drove to that show. You you drove to that one, okay? You didn't I, I take drove to that show. you didn't take the minivan to that one. Got it. No, no. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, as far as like playing with both of these bands, like, what was your experience like between like Career Soldiers and Lower Class Brats? Because like, I'm not just knocking down like Lower Class Brats. Like in this episode, I'll be talking about Wednesday Night Heroes as well and Nowhere Fast. So. Please feel free to like talk about well, like your experience with career soldiers as well as lower class brats. Well, I mean, in all honesty, like with the age gap and everything, I obviously drifted more towards getting along with the career soldiers because hell, those dudes were in high school. I'm pretty sure one of the dudes had to take like a test or something because they were on tour and they were finishing high school or some shit online. Like, and this is in the early days, right. they had to like run to like a library or some shit and like take a test for like his GED or some shit like that. Right. But like at the same time, they were also pretty non-existent just hanging out and stuff like that. Like they were there, they played their set and they wanted really nothing to do with Indianapolis. Really? How, how well was, how well attended was the show? It actually wasn't super well attended. Really? Um, I want to say there were maybe 
60 people there. It, that's that's on the huge high end. That's like everybody's in the venue for lower class brats. Yeah. Counting counting bands too, you know. Yeah. Road dogs and stuff like that. Right. So is this is is this the tour that they're like uh promote like they are they on the new seditionaries like cycle at this point when they're in Indianapolis? Cuz I this know that was, Yeah, this was right before that album came out. So they started promoting it. Okay. Um yeah, they were promoting it. Loud and out of tune had come out more recently and that was their live album. Okay. And that just kind of yeah, I think that kind of cycled for them to see how well it went, like when they released that, like just pushed for this new album. I remember when they played their single off it, I'm a mess, and I was like, Oh my god. Like But uh but really quickly, uh New Seditionaries was released in two thousand six. Was it? Yeah. Oh, so then yeah, they were probably promoting that album. I okay, I just, I just, I wasn't sure if they had done like a forty-five or a split that they were like cycling through, or if they were still like on the new seditionaries cycle, like a hundred and ten percent. See, this it, it's weird that you're asking me this stuff because I feel like that was really the only times I've really seen the lower class brats was on that new seditionaries run. Yeah, because that's when we also went down to Louisville, and I don't want to talk about that because I, I uh, want to talk about that uh, for a later part of uh, an episode that I'm, for the episode that I'm recording. Right. In its entirety, I want to talk about that show with the Wednesday Night Heroes. Uh, but, I mean, you saw them at Warp Tour as well. Like, uh, Bones to Large saw your chest tattoo. Oh, yeah, dude, that was totally my thing. Because, you know, if anybody knows me, they know that my first tattoo was a lower class brass tattoo and before my metabolism decided to take a giant shit i love taking my shirt off at lower class brats shows and <laughs> i had a lower class brats tattoo Lo- well, lcb army for life <laughs> what what was this band for you like when you first heard them versus today and even though granted today they're not in texas they're they're based out of, uh, based out of california now they're still playing uh they're now a uh five piece instead of four piece uh well, i just saw them uh, or four four piece instead four piece four piece musicians and uh Le- yeah. and bones to large instead of yeah and you know exactly what i'm saying yeah well i'll tell you what um i wasn't sure i hadn't seen them in so long and I saw him in Denver on New Year's Eve two years ago with Leftover Crack. And I don't know if it was the extra guitarist or whatever, man, but those guys sounded tighter than ever. Really? Like, do you think anything it, has to do it, with, like, Bones to Large sobriety? I mean, everybody was really fucked up at that show in Indianapolis. I mean, why wouldn't you be? It's 110 degrees in the Midwest. Right. But, I mean, just, like, do you feel like his sobriety lent credence to a better show? Uh because, I mean, like, the band has always been tight. Like, Marty Volume has always been a fucking tight guitar player. But do you feel like with Bose DeLarge's sobriety and the extra guitar that that lent itself to sounding like a better show? I just felt like it was a better show in general when I saw him more recently. Really? Do you think it's because they weren't on the road and didn't hate everything? I'm sure that had something to do with it, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But like, and what was and it was New Year's Eve. Everybody's in a good mood, you know. Right. Everybody wants to play a show or go to a show on New Year's Eve or whatever the hell it is. Everybody does, but you know, I it, it might have just been what was in the air. It might have been the sobriety. I don't know, but it seemed, it seems to me that they're more invested with the musicianship and the showmanship nowadays. 
Okay. Uh, because at that show that I played with them in Indianapolis, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. Like, it was fun for me. Did you get to meet you know, anybody for... in Lower Class Bretts while you were playing that show? Or were they just as non-present as career soldiers? No, I mean, the, the guys were all super nice and super cool. And I mean, hell, dude. Essentially, I was, I was a kid. Yeah. You know, I was playing with, you know, at the time for me, it was like, casualties unseen lower class brats like the trifecta of like this is my punk rock i love this shit yeah so i have a really bad habit of seizing up around people that i like their music yeah oh i i i completely spoke about it in my last episode meaning the guitar player of alistair with a couple other anecdotes i i am just the same which i mean i not for nothing it, I talk about my identical twin a lot. This is my identical twin that I am speaking to. So person, we might be different personality types, but it sounds like we have very similar characteristics. Oh yeah, uh, no. When it comes but, to just like shit in the bucket, uh, when we meet people that we respect. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent, and it's not getting better with age. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I did. I I introduced myself to Bones and stuff like that, and. Uh, Punt was their bass player, or not Punt? Uh, God, what was her? John player? Johnny O Negative. No, it was before he joined the band. It was their original bass player at the time. Oh, okay. Um, met those two dudes. They were super nice. I remember Marty Volume being like just as tall as he looked on stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know they were all really nice to us as a band and as kids who were fans. Yeah. You know, I was I was a little bit more outgoing than the rest of the guys in the band at the time. Well, I mean, at that time, you had already had like playing with a few bands that you liked and respected under your belt. So you knew like the ebb and the flow of the show. Right. Like, I think had had we played with Coffin Cats by that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A couple times, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was the nice part for me was you and I had knocked down some pretty big shows already and we got on some pretty decent bills so it's like okay cool just don't go be a dick and like don't be an asshole and just be cool and be like yo man i really respect your band i love your shit you know yeah 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 it was uh it was super rad i remember we played uh we did a cover of psycho i remember one of our your band, your band did a cover of Psycho while you were playing with the lower class brats. No, 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 no. We did not do that because we, well, you know, it's just like, dude, we really like this cover. Like, you know, would you want to help us sing it or like, do you want to do this? And they're like, man, it this would be weird because it's on the set list. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, okay, cool. Well, I get that. So I'll talk to you later now. <laughs> oh, so you you originally were going to play the band that was headlining song. Yeah. And you say it like it's not a thing, but you know, you've seen bands do that before. And it's, you're just like, God damn it. Yeah. But usually those bands are friends. <laughs> right. It, I don't know if you, if this was like a, just a piss poor attempt to be friends with the lower class brats. Oh, it was absolutely like, piss poor. Yeah, this this is this is not like Davy Casket and the Ghouls like doing a displeased cover when the displeased are playing as well. This is a totally different like level. Or I feel like something you should have done would have just been like, "Hey, we know this song. 
can we come up and play it with you? Eh, no, because at that point, I'm done playing, and at that point, I'm a fan, dude. Right. You know, and it's just like, I had never seen the lower class rats up to this point. This was your first time seeing them? It was my very first. Yeah, because we didn't, we saw them in Louisville together after this show, right? Yeah, what year was it that you saw them at Warp Tour? Dude, I don't know. They all start to blur together, especially right, dude. Ser- dude, seriously, like going through all this fucking research and shit like that through some of these episodes. I'm like, what fucking year was that? Yeah, what? fuck it. Like looking at comps, like hoping for the best, like grasping at straws. I'm pretty sure from 2011 to 2017, it just didn't exist, and I just spaced everything between there. Right. <laughs> right. For no fucking reason. Right, so every everything from 2002 to 2011, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah, because yeah. I wasn't old enough to drink. So. <laughs> <laughs> so from the time I wasn't able to drink, that's a big blur. And then from the time I was able to drink, that's a blur. And now I'm 30 and starting to sober up a little bit. <laughs> and just starting to see colors in the world for the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's very fair and understandable. Uh, where do you feel like as a 30-year-old man that got into this band when he was a child, how do you think the band holds up to this day? Like, it, as far as, like, your personal, like... How how often do you find yourselves like p- putting their records on the turntable or like listening to them on streaming services or talking about them unprompted? Uh, I don't talk about them as much as I used to. Right. Um, because, I mean, nobody wants to hear about old punk rock anymore, you know? I mean, unless it's just like that group of 30-year-old punks, dude, just hanging out. It's like, yo. Like, you know, you hang out with dudes who used to be in bands, and that's what's cool about living out here in Colorado, too. It's like, you know, I got friends who used to play in bands, did the same shit we were doing. Denver had a totally different scene from what we had. Yeah. But, you know, it's still dudes who had the opportunity and stuff to, like, open for bands that they loved, and you exchange these stories. And that's about the only time LCB really comes up with me anymore. But on a personal level, I mean, hell, dude, if I'm home alone and I'm just – smoking weed or something like that like i'll throw on lower class brad's album i actually just listened to new seditionaries like right before you texted me about this and it's still a great album yeah dude it it totally it totally holds up and i mean like songs like walking through the fire and cat's claws like those are the songs that like for me personally stick out like the singles are great but i feel like some of those b-sides like just really really drive it home as far as musicianship and What's the what's the song with the piano? Again, this is this is me with no notes, just interviewing my brother. Uh, what's the song with the piano? The interlude song. I have no idea what that song is called. But you know exactly what I'm talking about. I felt like because prior to this, I think they had like two albums, and they weren't really albums. Like they were like kind of they they were like punk production, but like nothing crazy for me like personally when you had shown me lower class brats like ultra violence was good uh there were like two or three other songs <laughs> that you had shown me and i was like this band is okay like at best like i was still like getting my toes wet and shit like that we were in think... driver's ed when i found out it's like when <laughs> do really what into these guys do what we were in Driver's Ed when I really started digging into Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I very, very distinctly remember when I was working as a lifeguard, and I think it was before you came on, uh, I had that, like, USB, like, 
pre-iPod MP3 player that could only fit 100 songs. And I know that I had like five lower class Brad songs on there. And I know that Ultraviolence was one of them. Uh, and once New Seditionaries came out and you bought it, I, dude, I was in. Like, I was like, this band has never done anything that sounds better than this. And it really, really showed as far as like production value. And like, well, Steve, the- for me personally, like, I love New Seditionaries. It's a great album lyrically. You know, it's it's about being punk. It's about making moves, you know, yeah. it's about equality and standing up, which I love. But also, I do love that clockwork shit they were doing. Like, yeah, yeah. Man, just no. write a shitload of songs around <laughs> fucking a clockwork orange. Like, are yeah. we addicts? No, but whatever. <laughs> That's, that is exactly something that I will be talking about when I do the final recording. Uh, is clockwork punk? And how, like even though the new seditionaries is the last thing that the lower class brats have released. They are still, it's still under latest releases on Spotify. (laughs) I mean, if you don't don't count uh, what like that greatest hits album, well, the the clockwork singles yeah, yeah, (laughs) where, where they have the, the slogan for a clockwork orange, but they just put band and guitars instead of like the boys and the group and the killing. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Which is, that's but, cool man Whatever. but even even in even in like the pre like the preliminary research that i've done like i i know exactly where to find the information for lower lower class brats that i'm going to look for but like i just like googled like clockwork punk and the very first band over the attics were lower class brats i mean that's not really surprising because I really feel like this is a band that saw another band wearing derby hats and was like, you know what, man? That looked really fucking cool. We should do that. But you know what? Let's just add studs and spikes to the whole thing and let's just make a mess of it. And I really, truly do feel like the lower class brats made it their own. And I feel like the new seditionaries is like the cherry on top of the cake. Like as far as like, you know what? We were we were doing the clockwork thing and it was we we did it well, but New Seditionaries is them carving out their own place in like the Austin, Texas sphere at a time when there were bands like Riverboat Gamblers and like Emos and Red Seven were open and like it was just shit. Like it was hard competition. I feel like the New Seditionaries is yeah the Crumbums back yeah then. oh yeah oh absolutely oh Crumbums. I'm actually there is a Crumbums record that I am going into the record store to buy today. that's a good move yeah yeah i think i think i i saw it i bought it i sold it and i'm buying it again (laughs) yeah that just makes most sense yeah but it's just it's it's one of those like every single time i go into this record store it's just like next time i'm gonna buy it and today i'm going in with no mission and i know that it's reliably there like when i when i sold my arliss nancy record and then bought it back three years later. Yeah, I mean, it just shows, goes to show what a grip on music Indy has. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just me just like, you know what? I can get rid of this. It's going to be there. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's like <laughs> taking shit to a pawn shop. Like, <laughs> no shit. Um, nobody wants this TV, this Zenith TV from 1995. <laughs> but you know what? I might want it back in six months. <laughs> But I do I do feel like the new seditionaries, especially with like that state of Austin music at the time, was really them saying, like, we are not a genre band, we are a punk band, and we can go toe to toe with any of these other bands that exist in this space. Well, and 
with new seditionaries too it, like it they really stood out that album still stands out on its own to me yeah like to me everything before that was something else you know and this is like new lower class breaths this is what it's gonna be yeah and i dude it cover to cover it's my favorite album of theirs Oh, absolutely. Like, like without, without a shadow of a doubt, I completely understand. Uh, one last thing, like what, what is it about this album that keeps you coming back to it after all these years? It's just, it's just one of those albums that it gets better with age and you understand life a little bit better. And like you make these dumbass mistakes and you do all this stupid shit. And it's like, you know what? need an album about that it's like you can turn on any song on there and it's like there's something that's mildly relatable to all this fucked up shit right you know like i'm a mess like there was a time where i was like oh i'm a mess like no i was a mess yeah (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely but uh you know it's just the big choruses the guitars everything like everybody's got a spotlight on that album and everybody comes to the light and they couldn't be better in their own realm. Awesome. Awesome, dude. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really, really glad that I was figure out well, I was able to figure out a way to patch you in hearing yeah, your experience. Because I don't know how to do any of this shit that you're doing. So uh, I trust me, I am still figuring it out as I go. But I mean, we were able to knock down a about 25 minutes of just talking about music and I could have gone longer, but I still have a whole fucking episode to record. Yeah, uh, as, as far as, far as I'm concerned, you gave me a fucking cushion. <laughs> yeah. You got some room uh, to work with now, dude. Yeah. Just a little bit, but, uh, Corbin, thank you so much. Like for taking the time. I know it's early there for you and like, you got to go to work and shit like that later, but is there anything like, that you just like want to put there, put out there in the ethos. Like there are people from multiple States that don't know you from your head, from your asshole. Uh, is there anything that you would like to talk about or just like throw shout outs to before uh, we get off the line? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Are, are uh, there any records that you're listening to that are totally worth a listen that are flying under the radar right now? Yeah, actually. There we go. Pirates record. I know, I know how you feel about this band, and do not edit this out. I'm not. Because that album is fantastic. I keep listening to it, and it's getting better and better. When did the album come out? Uh, I want to say November or December last year. Okay. So Potato Pirates have a new album out? Yes. Okay. And for anybody who is interested, the Potato Pirates also have a... Uh, a relationship with an old band that Corbin and I saw called uh oh man what was their band name originally elements huh synthetic elements synthetic elements which is also a good ska driven band which, but if you google the marquee in Denver Colorado that is the marquee for the night awesome so noted <laughs> little fun little fact <laughs> so potato pirates are a punk driven traditional celtic instrument band punk band and they also have a ska background and with potato pirates comes a perfect blending of all of those elements and it might not be for everybody but it is definitely there it is definitely approachable if you like any three of those genres it's awesome it's awesome oh also i got tickets to go see dave haas on the third so i'm excited about that it's his first headlining show in denver okay and that's anything anything else no. All right, no, man. That's, that's all I got. Corbin, 
Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, man. I, hopefully, hopefully we can find another time to do this again. Like this was a lot of fun for me, and just it just feels like a normal conversation that we have on any given day. But uh, at least this time, our thoughts and feelings will be out in the ethos a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know how much people need to hear that, but yeah. <laughs> but no, just just talking to you is always fun. Thank you so much, Corbin. Have a good rest of your day, man. Yeah, dude, I'll talk to you. All right, love you, bye. Love you too. Thank you so much. <laughs> I know that this was a weirdly long episode, but I wanted to try something new. And if you listen to this and you gave me the opportunity, that's awesome. I, because of the way that I tried to record, I had to take away the background music. Uh, so I will be going back to my original format next week. But overall, I was pretty stoked with how it sounded uh and i didn't want the background music which was becoming overbearing to take away from any of the content that i was talking about um again as always i'm here i'm available i would love to hear your voices uh next week uh Again, with the ramp up to St. Patrick's Day still uh, going down the board, and I think I have, I think I have a really, really good idea. I, I really do. Uh, we're gonna go to Tennessee, and if you know anything about me or my taste in music, then you'll know exactly the band that I'm talking about. As always, I'm here. I'm available. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this long-ass episode. Give them hell.